Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Here we are, last night of our camp out. It's been a man, I've really enjoyed the weekend with you guys. It's been great, but it would not be complete. The weekend would not be complete. You can't go camping out unless at some point somebody tells a ghost story. So, so I'm going to tell a story, uh, and, and, I, and I hope it won't scare you too bad and give you nightmares and all that kind of stuff. So, here's the, here's the story. So, so, there was this guy who uh, showed up. Uh, he, he had this questionable birth, like like he says that uh, you know, like his his mom was a virgin and everything, and he, and he comes along, and then he begins to claim as he grows up, he begins to claim that like he's the son of God, and, and not only that, he starts he starts doing all these miracles, like like all he's healing people and setting people free, and so people begin to believe that he actually is the son of God, and so this is really cool. These guys they start following him all over everywhere he goes, and. and they believe in him so much that they quit their jobs. Like the doctor, there's a doctor in the group and he, he lays down his practice and he follows this guy. And then there's tax collectors and professional fishermen. And, and so they begin to chase after him. And for three years, he provides everything for them. He protects them. He gives them food. He pays their taxes. I mean, it's crazy. He takes care of everything. And then at the end of three years, sitting around a fire, probably like this, he tells them this. He says, I'm going to leave. That, that's, that's pretty scary there. I'm going to leave. He, 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 he says, I'm out of here. I'm going to leave you on your own. And, and they, they're so upset about it. They don't even listen to what he says. But here's, here's the part I want you to catch. He says this. He says, when I, when I disappear, I'm going to send somebody to take care of you. And who I'm going to send to you is it, I'm going to send you a ghost. Scary. That's pretty scary, isn't it? That's pretty scary. All right, you guys try to get some sleep. I know you'll struggle after that. Good night. Have a good night. So, so that's how we treat the Holy Spirit a lot of times, or the Holy Ghost. Uh, it, it comes off scary. So, so let, let, let's think about this for just a moment. I want you to put yourself, if you will, in the uh, position of the disciples. And I want you to, for just a moment, imagine the fear and the anxiety and the concern when Jesus, not when he tells them that he's going to disappear, because I'll read it to you here in just a second. They don't even, they don't even catch that. What, what, what bothers them is this concept of the Holy Ghost. They just don't understand it. But I want you to put yourself in their position after Jesus leaves. Think about this. All of their security, all their identity, everything they, they've known is wrapped up in Jesus. And all of a sudden, he disappears. And they, they, I'm sure they, they battle feelings of despair and anxiety. And maybe even uh, at times they feel like they've been abandoned. But the good news is that Jesus says that when he leaves... The, these particular men, but he's also speaking to us forward. He tells us that we would need help. So this is where we're going to start today. I want to read to you the text, but I want you to pay very careful and close attention to the words in the text. It's important. You probably won't even catch. I'm going to try to emphasize it a couple times so you catch it without me telling you because I, I like it when you're faster than me, but, but, but it's there, all right? I want you to listen to what it says. John chapter 16 
We're going to read verses 5 through 15, and I want you to see what happens. This is when Jesus is telling the disciples that he's leaving. Listen to what he says. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. (laughs) There it is right there. They're so consumed by what he's been saying, they don't even pay attention to the fact that he says, I'm out of here. He says, you don't, even, you don't even ask where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the word there, advocate, is a Greek word, uh, paraclete, uh, which means counsel for defense, an intercessor, a helper, or a comforter. He says that the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin that it refuses to believe in me. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will, become, will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you what about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. And that belong, all that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So I want to point out some stuff real quickly before we move much further in this, this uh, time together today. I, I need to teach you some things about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit that I think are important. I want, I want you to notice in John that uh, Jesus didn't abandon his disciples or us. In fact, he makes it very clear that it is for our good that he departs fr- from us and that by his departure, it allows him, meaning Jesus, to send him, meaning the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? All right, okay, so, so that, that's an important statement right there that I think we often miss and that we blow over or blow past and we don't understand completely. He, he has to depart so that he can send him. All right, I'm going to tell you something. I think that if you mislabel something, then oftentimes you misunderstand something. So let me see if I can help you this morning. This is the way this works. I started thinking about this, an example of this. If you mislabel, let's say, so, so say you showed up, uh, I don't know, you were born yesterday, you showed up, and somebody at a fellowship meal here at the church you've never never been at a fellowship meal, you've never used utensils, you've never had an actual, uh, anything to put your food in other than what you can find outside. You walk into the fellowship meal and somebody hands you this round object that looks like this, all right? Like this. They hand it to you and they tell you that it is a plate. All right? So now I've mislabeled and you have no experience with that thing, so you're convinced that that is a plate. You will be the weirdo at all the fellowship meals that is layering all their food into what we know as a cup, but because you mislabeled it, you misunderstood it. I'm convinced that oftentimes what we've we've done is that we've mislabeled the Holy Spirit so we misunderstand 
the Holy Spirit. So, so it's essential that we don't mislabel the Holy Spirit as an it. Jesus did not say, I need to go away from here so that I can send it to you. He said, I'm going to send him to you. Jesus is making it clear that he is sending us the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a him. We cannot, see, you say, well, what difference does that make? Well, it makes a big difference because all through my life anyway, in the different circles that I've been, I've heard the Holy Spirit labeled a lot of stuff. Like I've heard the Holy Spirit labeled as, here's one, the force. <laughs> right? So we mislabel it and then we misunderstand it. Right? He, he's just this nebulous force out there somewhere. We don't understand it. It's just out there. The force is with you. We even make movies about it. Or, well, kind of. Okay. We mislabel it. But the Holy Spirit is not an it. It is not a force. It is a, he is a him. If you don't embrace that understanding, then, then you will, here's why it's so important. You will not realize that then because the Holy Spirit is a him, that you can develop a relationship with him. Oh, okay, so this, I'm not, I'm going to do my best not to preach today. I'm trying to do some teaching because I want to make sure we understand this. Because here's my concern. If you don't understand that the Holy Spirit is a him, but you think that our Father is a him, you will develop a relationship with our Father, but you won't develop a relationship with it. If you think that Jesus was a him, then you will, re, you will develop and establish a relationship with Him, but you won't establish a relationship with it. We need to come back to this understanding that the Holy Spirit is a Him so that we will try to develop a relationship with Him just like we develop a relationship with our Father and just like we've developed a relationship with His Son. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's a Him. Him. He's a Him. See, I even struggle with it because I've, I've heard it as it all my life. It's Him. Uh, okay, before we go too deep, I, I just need to stop. Right in the middle of my message, I just want to stop and speak to those of you that don't consider yourselves Pentecostal. All right? You, you wandered into a Pentecostal church and now you're freaking out because we're talking about the Holy Ghost and you're scared to death. All right? And you're like, I'm not even one of those freaks. I, I, don't, I didn't even know what I was getting into. Okay, so let me speak to you that I, I kind of know our crowd. So I, I, I know some of you say, I'm not Pentecostal. So this message, this series doesn't even really apply to me. Well, I'm getting ready to mess you up. Because I need you to understand that even if you don't consider yourself Pentecostal, here it is. Hold it. Grab your seat real quick. If you're not Pentecostal, grab your seat real quick because I'm getting ready to scare you to death right here. The Holy Spirit is in you. Now, now let me qualify. If you have developed a relationship with Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is already in you. Now, next week you need to be here. We're going to differentiate some things and help clarify some things and explain about this Pentecost thing a little bit. But you need to understand that if you're in relationship with Christ, then whether you even ever understood it or not, there is a measure of the Holy Spirit inside of you already. Okay, I can prove it scripturally. Just because I know some of y'all, how y'all are, I'm going to read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. But now you're meeting people who claim to speak messages from the Spirit of God. How can you know whether they are really inspired by God or whether they are fakes? Here is the test. No one speaking by the power of the Spirit of God can curse Jesus. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord and really mean it 
unless the Holy Spirit is helping them. So if there's this moment in your life where you came to grips with the understanding, I'm, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and I need to make Jesus my Lord. I need to come to this understanding. I've declared Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. I surrender my, I make you my Lord. Then guess what? The only way you got there is through the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. But I'm not Pentecostal. I get it. But you've got to measure the Holy Spirit inside of you that helps you come to any kinds of grit. In fact, Jesus later says in John that that's the Holy Spirit's job. He will convict. In fact, I read part of that. He will convict us of our sin and let us know that we need Jesus. The only way that happens is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, okay, so, so, so we're told by Paul that you can't even become a believer without the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want to mention, I, I, I just, I, 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 I want to mention that to you because I don't want you to dismiss the, 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 the possibility that the power of the Holy Spirit resides in you and can help you. Um, if we mislabel, we misunderstand. So let me ask you this question. If the Holy Spirit is not an it and he is a person not a person like us, because he's the Holy Spirit. But if he's not an it and he's a him, what is the difference between an it and a him? Uh, let, me, let me say it like this. What is the difference between me and my car? Because I'm a him, and even though you may name your car and call her baby and all this other stuff, it's an it. All right, I don't care how nice a car you got, it's an it. Now, I'm a him, my nice car, my baby is an it. What's the difference? The difference is that a person has a soul. That's the difference. So let me ask you this question then. What is a soul? Okay, I'm going somewhere. Stay with me now. I'm, I'm trying to bring you down this progression so you understand. What is a soul? A soul is made up of three things. There are three components that make us different than a tree. All right? I, okay, if I got tree huggers in here, I, I, I love you and all, but a, a tree doesn't have a soul. Come on now. Uh, because uh, there are three things that make up a soul, right? It's our mind, our will, and our emotions. Hmm. Made up of three Father, Son, okay, uh, just, uh, just thought I'd throw that in there for fun. Uh, isn't it interesting that when God breathed into us, His, okay, um, so the, the mind, will, emotion. So another way to say that then is this, a person has thoughts, desires, and feelings. Okay, you're getting ahead of me. The Holy Spirit is a Him, not an it. So if we properly label him, then we recognize that he has those three components. A mind, a will, and emotions. Okay, I'm going to prove it to you because some of you are looking at me crazy. All right, so we know he has a mind. In Romans chapter 8, verse 27, I'm not going to read it to you. Paul talks about the mind of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, he says the Spirit knows the mind of God. I want you to understand about what the importance of the fact that the Holy Spirit has a mind. You have someone in, in you that knows God's thoughts. And in fact, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would help lead us in all truth. The Holy Spirit has a mind. 
He knows the mind of God. Paul says, hey, only the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, can know the mind of the Father. And He's in you. Okay, y'all ain't getting excited enough yet because when you recognize what's in you, you suddenly realize that inside of you is a Holy Spirit that helps you understand the thoughts of God. Okay, then he has a will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 11. But the one and the same Spirit works all these things, dividing to each one as he wills. In fact, all you got to do is you got to open up Acts and you begin to read Acts and you recognize that all through Acts the Holy Spirit is exerting His will. Like there's a passage where He forbids the disciples to go to Asia in Acts chapter 16. He's, Paul, Paul wants to go to Asia and, and the Holy Spirit exerts His will and says, not right now. You I forbid you. He's exerting His will. How about when Peter has a vision from God and, and the Holy Spirit sends him to the Gentiles. You better be thankful that the Holy Spirit has a will because they, the Jews didn't want to have nothing to do with the Gentiles, us. And the Holy Spirit exerted His will and said, go reach them with the gospel. It's His will. It's His will. The great news is that in you, the Holy Spirit helps you know the will of God. Did you hear what I just said? Because that would help some of you a lot. The Holy Spirit knows the will of God. Because haven't you ever asked, what's the will of God? Am I in the will of God? How do I know what the will of God is? Newsflash. The Holy Spirit helps you. There, I, I got, I, okay. We know the, God's general will through His Word. We know His specific will through the power of the Holy Spirit. Newsflash. If you weren't here last week, those two have to line up. Man, I can't get no help in this place this morning because some of you don't like the fact that you know his general will and then when you hear his specific will, it lines up with his general will because you had other ideas about what you wanted to do. Like, like I wanted to mess around, but then I read in his general will that I, that, wasn't, that wasn't acceptable. And so I start praying about it, hoping that his specific will will tell me something different. And lo and behold, his specific will always lines up with his general will. Okay, I've already been there, so I've got to keep moving. So, so how does that work? So there's, let me give you this example. General will. The Word tells us how to work. Doesn't it? We work with excellence. Y'all look like y'all hadn't heard that before. Y'all just playing like solitaire on your work computer and, and still drawing a paycheck. No, we work to show forth His excellencies. We do everything we do as under the Lord. Okay, I'm just making sure. That's his general will. His, the Holy Spirit tells us where to work. Okay. See, apparently none of y'all have ever had multiple opportunities. So how do you decipher? Because you know how to work once you get there, but how are you supposed to figure out between these two options, which one am I supposed to take? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, showing you the will of God for your life. That's how. The, okay, general. The, the, um, the, the word tells us how to give. I knew I wouldn't get any help there. Thank you, Jessica, for being my support right there on the front row because some of y'all nervous right now. The, 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 the Word tells us how to give. The Holy Spirit tells us what to give. Okay, okay, I'm trying to help you this morning. The, the Word tells us how to marry. But the Holy Spirit tells us who to marry. Right? And some of y'all think he was asleep at the wheel. Never mind. Okay, that's a different... He, he has a wheel. 
The job of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the will of God to us. That's why it is so important that you recognize you don't have an it in you. You've got a him in you. He, he, he knows the will of God. And it's not like he's playing like hide and seek. He's actually trying to reveal the will of God so you don't stumble through life. And then the Holy Spirit has feelings. I heard um, Robert Moore say this, and I think he was pretty accurate. He said, if you stop and think about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? We call them that, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. When you really boil it down, aren't the fruits of the Holy Spirit, couldn't you accurately say those are feelings? Love and peace and joy and gentle self-control. Those are feelings. So, so think about that. The Holy Spirit feels. In fact, we're told in Scripture that the Holy Spirit can feel. And one of the ways that we're told this is, is a negative connotation. Because you know i got to go here. Right? Because in Ephesians chapter 4, we're told that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieve. Okay. And then, not only are we told that we can accomplish that, we're told how to accomplish that. Imagine that. The writer of Ephesians says, hey, listen, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Then he tells us what actions or attitudes cause us to grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, so maybe you don't, you're not, maybe you never read, I'm going to read it. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 23, down through verse 32. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes put on your new nature created to be like God truly righteous and holy so stop telling lies come on punch your neighbor right now say he's not talking to you stop telling lies Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let every youth, everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring God sorrow or do not grieve. To, in this version, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So we are told in black and white... How not to grieve the Holy Spirit. He has feelings. So let me show you. This is what he says causes us to grieve the Holy Spirit. Lying. Stealing. Lack of generosity. Foul or abusive language. Bitterness. Rage. Anger. Harsh words. Slander. All types of evil behavior. All of these things grieve the Holy Spirit. It just got really, really tight up in here. I want you, I, I need you to hear me this morning. This list is important. 
But the results of the list are even more important. What does this list show us? It shows us that our actions... Listen, if you don't hear anything else I hear this, I, that I say today, please hear this. It means that our actions can cause or bring distance between us and the Spirit. We need to refrain from these things because here is the literal definition of grief. Why, why do we grieve when we lose a friend? Why do we grieve when we lose a loved one? Why do we grieve the, when we lose a pet? What, what is all that about? What's grief about? All I know is that we grieve because there's distance between us and them. They were right here, now they're not. And so I grieve. I'm, I, my, my feelings are hurt because I can't be with them. There's distance. And that is the literal definition of, of grief is that we diminish fellowship with the Holy Spirit. This is important because I need you to understand that I have been taught all of my life about the Pentecostal experience. I grew up in Pentecost. I, I, I know, I've known nothing else. All of my life, I have been taught about the Pentecostal experience. But can I tell you this morning that I am also convinced that although I've heard about uh, the using of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I've heard very little about protecting the fellowship, the daily interaction with. The relationship with the Holy Spirit. What I was taught about is that you come to church and you let your gifts show. Words and wisdom and knowledge and healings and miracles and faith. Let's, let's just have a gift show right here. Out here right? That's what it's all about so we can get our spiritual goosebumps. But nobody hardly ever talked to me about the fact that by the actions I take daily at school, at work, in my relationships, in my daily walk, there is this ability for me to distance myself from the power and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Our actions can do that. That's why, listen to me, that is why you feel like you feel when you do things that grieve the Holy Spirit. When you lie, when you steal, when you're bitter, when you're angry, when you're experiencing rage, all that list. When lack of generosity was one of the things it said. When you act that way, that's why you feel like you feel. It's because you have literally created a chasm, a distance, a gap between you and the Holy Spirit. And you were in close fellowship. You were like this. But now all of a sudden, because of the actions you've taken, the attitudes that you've had, you are over here and the Holy Spirit is over here. And there's a huge chasm, a gap, a canyon, and you feel bad because of the distance. See, I think what I want to say to you this morning is this. Don't hurt the, the Holy Spirit's feelings. Come on now. Don't hurt His feelings. I, I want you to notice a couple things. I, I want you to notice that this list was written not for sinners. The writer is writing to believers. Wait a minute. Lying, stealing, lack of generosity, rage, bitterness, evil acts. And he's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. He's talking to us. 
See, I've heard preaching about all these things, about lying, stealing, bitterness, rage, anger, about how they impact my salvation. But I have heard very little teaching about how they break down fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And if you believe what I said last week, which I hope you do, is this. That we are in more desperate need of the Holy Spirit at this moment than we've ever been in the previous pages of history. We desperately need the Holy Spirit. Listen, you don't just need the Holy Spirit to go to church. You need the Holy Spirit to go to stinking Walmart. Because at Walmart, I want to slap some folks. Right when they wear pants they shouldn't wear outside the privacy of their own bedroom. I want when they steal my parking space. I want to when they do this and then grab the cart. I, when they let their kids scream up and down the aisles. When I go to check out and there's like one lane out of the seventy that are open. I want to. You don't even want to know what I want to do. I need the Holy Ghost at that moment. And that has nothing to do with my salvation. That has to do with the fact that I need daily fellowship with Him. And so do you. So do you. We cannot afford to hurt the Holy Ghost's feelings. Because if you hurt His feelings, or in Bible terms, if you grieve the Holy Spirit, then there's distance and Sunday morning during praise and worship, man, I feel him like he's like, right, he's, he, give me some room, bro. You're all over me. You're up in my space. He's all right here. But on Monday when I get to work and I want to go off on my coworker and I give into it and do it, all of a sudden what I felt on Sunday and what I encountered on Sunday, it's nowhere to be found. And I'm like, what happened? Did, did, I, did, I, did, did God abandon me? No. He just, the Holy Spirit just said, mm. I, I can't, like, I can't. I can't be right there with you because I can't put up with that misrepresents me and and the one that I represent him and and so I think I'm going to have to distance myself from you then you go stand around the water cooler and listen to the joke you weren't supposed to to tell or or, I mean listen to and and you laugh and all of a sudden I can't feel like Jesus changes everything and like there's victory ahead of me and what's behind oh I I felt it on Sunday but on Monday I just don't I just don't feel what could, could I like bring the worship team to work with me could, well, that's what it's got to be. It's got to be the, it's the atmosphere. It's, it's the fact that there's a worship team here. That's why I feel, no it's not. The reason you feel what you feel when you get in here is because the Holy Spirit gets right up next to you and you sense Him and He shows up and He moves you and He's changing you and He's causing you to have a desire to be more like Jesus. That's, but what do you do? On, you can't take us to work. But that's, that's, that's what you need to hear this morning. You can take him to work. I even got better news for some of you. You can take him home. Like some of you don't even want to go home today because the other person's going to be there. Well, lo and behold, there's a third person that's going to be there. You can take the Holy Spirit home with you. You can take him to school. You can take him to the baseball game. Lord, help me. I need him there. You can take him to the football game. Some of y'all need him there. I can take him in that relationship with that person next door that keeps letting their dog do what it's doing in my yard and I'm about ready to kill somebody. Then, then just remember that you have this guy that's with this, the, him, he's, he's right there. And so this morning I think it's important that first we understand and get the label right so that we can embrace the, the person of the Holy Spirit. Why would you not want to tap into the power of knowing God's thoughts?
Why would you not want someone in your life that can help you know the will of God? Why would you not want the fruit that he produces in your life? Establish a relationship. Well, I'm not Pentecostal. I did, I did, I'm not talking about being Pentecostal. I'm talking about being a God seeker. Why don't you just go read the pages of the Bible for yourself and just say this. God, if it's real, I want all you got for me. I need to know your mind. I need to know your will. I need to know what you're feeling. Could you just help me with that and see who shows up? And then second, I think it's absolutely essential. Hear me, Pentecostal people. Hear me. I think it's absolutely essential to begin to develop and guard and protect the daily fellowship with the Spirit. I don't really care how often you can show up at church throughout the year and speak in tongues and prophesy and give words of wisdom and glow in the dark. If the rest of the week there's distance between you in him how about making sure that your actions aren't hurting his feelings because I think that it could be that there's distance that, that there's distance between us and him and you've taken actions or you've used words or your attitudes have distanced you from him and him from you so I just want to challenge you this morning why don't you close the gap So, Father, this morning, this is the simple question I have for all of us in this room. How close are we to your Holy Spirit? Are you only close when the worship's right, the lights are right, the atmosphere is right? Or have we learned to protect and keep from hurting the Holy Spirit's feelings? I pray this morning that we would take an accurate account, an accurate measurement of the distance that exists between me and the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd hear me right now that if there's anything that I've said, anything that I've done, any attitudes that I've embraced that are causing distance between me and you, I'm not satisfied with you just being close to me during worship. I want you to be close to me during work. I want you to be close to me during the, the time I have with my wife and my children and my co-workers and my classmates and my neighbors. I pray that you would close that distance this morning and that I would be very conscious and aware that you have feelings. And I repent this morning of hurting your feelings because I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to grieve you. I just want to be close to you. I pray that you would accomplish this in all of our lives this morning. In Jesus' name. Would you do this with me? Would you just turn and kneel at your chair this morning? Rather, If you physically can, if you can't understand, but, but if you have the ability, would you just turn and kneel at your chair? And I want one, one, one prayer. One prayer only. In this very reverent and important moment, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is there any distance between me and the Holy Spirit? And if the answer is yes, would you repent this morning and allow Him to close the gap? Let Him close the gap this morning, in this quiet moment, in this quiet moment.
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.